0: In this week's episode, the comic book universes are changing in all sorts of ways. Aliens crash into Red Sonja's territory, the Red Hood faces his trauma, and Daredevil is, well, completely rewritten. Woof. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B.
1: Good evening. Or afternoon or something. Something? You can't
0: dictate when they listen. They can, listen on their own. This is a you. spooky
1: podcast. You can only listen.
0: I mean, I am sipping on a PSL at the moment. Yeah. My life feels complete. Halloween
1: come early.
0: Um, I'm getting the punch on my girl punch card because it's fall, almost. It's close enough, right? Yeah. It's almost September, right? I'm allowed to pretend it's fall, right? <laughs> I feel like March was eight years ago. I can't. like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it has been a long year. <laughs> so real quick before we dive in, I just wanted to say from us here at Cover B to the family and friends of Chadwick Bozeman, our hearts go out to you. That sucks. It's For those awful. of you who haven't heard, Chadwick Bozeman has passed away. We have lost um, the Black Panther. And it's it's incredibly sad. It's big, sad news right now. Um, so to those close to him, you know, we're thinking about you guys because that's, that's really rough. So. I mean,
0: I think all fans are, are mourning with you. You are yeah, not yeah. alone. And it's it was a surprise to us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those of us who just saw him keep making amazing performances and didn't realize it was in between treatments and all of these things it, he was an incredible actor and an incredible person and we are we are absolutely torn up about it
1: so fam get out there and watch some black panther in solidarity uh and wakanda forever yeah give one more wakanda forever for for the black panther man it really sucks
0: but. it does absolutely <laughs>
1: Let's go ahead and dive on in, that said, into the comics for this week. There was a yes. lot that went down. Yeah. What's really cool is, I think, um, a good bit of what came out is like, well, I guess three of the five we're going to talk about are like uh, like licensed things, which I think is really
0: neat because yeah. we don't
1: always do like licensed stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's true. So it's it's cool that there's so much cool licensed things going up. But T kick us off.
0: There's also some crazy freaking stuff going on in co- like two of the books this week have ridiculous things if they are truly in canon. Okay. Like we'll ridiculousness. Go ahead.
1: dive on in. The
0: first one <laughs> Dive is into that
1: crazy, man. Three
0: Jokers number yeah. 1. So I have not been reading the Joker War, I have not been reading this the primary Batman series, but I wanted to read this one because I knew that it was heavily involved with Red Boy who is Best Boy. And I love Mr. Red, Red, Hood. Hood. Red Hood. He is He is my he is my homie. I love him. Um, Jason Todd deserves more love.
1: You have developed like a randomly like a really <laughs> sudden crush on Jason Todd.
0: <laughs> I think it happened, believe it or not, because of event Leviathan. Okay, Um, yeah. He was...
1: That single issue where he beat the crap out of the entirety of, like, the Batman squad. He
0: got j'cuse my poor red boy because of... Like, it was the worst detective work in the world. Oh, yeah. And little Damien is such a... Pardon my French. Such a little shit. And he's just like, I think Jason did it because that's obvious and I'm a little butthole. He's such
1: a petit mare.
0: He's such a little (laughs) butthole. And... But... Obviously, Jason didn't do it because that's stupid yeah, and the there, most obvious decision. We, this guy wears red things. Yeah, we it's actually. Probably Jason. I think we.
1: I think we talked about it on the podcast, so you can probably go back and find that episode. But yeah, it's literally an issue. I think it's like second or third issue. They're trying to figure out who Leviathan is. Leviathan, for those who don't know, is a character that wears for his initial inception was wearing like a red mask and a red cape and. Damien literally goes, Batman, I know who it is. It's probably the Red Hood. And they all kind of look at him, and he's like, I mean, think about it. Red mask? And they're all like, oh. And then they go to beat the crap out of Jason Todd. And he's like, are you guys stupid?
0: And then he beats the crap out (laughs) of them. Literally,
1: in the process of jumping off a building, beats the crap out of them, out of Batman and Damien and... Manhunter and uh, Green Arrow and Plastic Man just like rips all of them up and then lands and is like, you guys are stupid. Don't listen to a child.
0: (laughs) And I I don't know what it was, but between that and just like how much he doesn't give a crap about what Batman says on a regular basis, like those two things, he became very endeared to me. And then I see how abused he is on a regular basis in comics. Like, I feel like Jason has been through enough that people should stop treating him like crap all the time, but they still treat him like crap all the time. I'm like, the Suicide Squad gets more respect especially odd.
1: Especially Barbara. And I, right? I I love Barbara. I love Batgirl. Batgirl's one of my faves. I absolutely love Batgirl. But, and I love Barbara's saga, and I've come to really... There was a part of me that was really anti what happened with her with oracle and then it was brought to my attention that i was being very ableist and i took a step back and i looked at that and i was like you know what i am being very ableist and i've come to accept that oracle was actually a really good thing to happen yeah and i have changed my tune on that and her overall her overall story arc and her growth is enriched by Oracle, I was just being bitter because I liked the Batgirl that flew around on trees, or trees, rooftops. (laughs) The Batgirl that was apparently Tarzan for some freaking (laughs) reason. Um, Flew around on rooftops and did stuff and I didn't have a lot of respect for this Oracle character and I was was being ignorant and this is me coming to terms with that. I was being ignorant. I was being exclusionary and I have changed my ways. Um, that said, I love Barbara Gordon. I love Batgirl. Um, and she, man, Barbara treats Jason Todd like a Karen seeing a black person in a nice neighborhood.
0: Yep. hundred (laughs) percent. She treats him like dirt. And it's so frustrating to me that he gets no respect. Damien, who's literally little Hitler, gets more respect than Jason Todd. And I I can't. Like, like, I'm so over it.
1: Like, Barbara treats Jason Todd like she sees him in the Batcave and she's like, "Um, I've called Batman and he's gonna come and he'll tell me. (laughs) He'll tell me if you're allowed to be here, okay? Do you know the owner of this Batcave? I know the owner of this bat cave, okay? And he wouldn't be very happy with you being in his bat cycle, okay? I know the owner. I've called the owner, and the owner's on his way, okay?
0: Oh, my God. It's so true. Yeah.
1: Every time I've seen a Barbara-Jason Todd connection, Barbara's just like, shut up, Jason.
0: It's so so (laughs) awful. So... I have endeared myself to Red Hood. I feel like he needs more love. I feel like it's rude the way he's treated. So I wanted to read this book for that. This book introduces the concept that there are three jokers right now.
1: So yeah, uh, real quick, there's not really a good way for us to talk about this book without spoiling certain kind of things that are introduced in this book. Yes. So we'll talk about it. What we'll do is we'll put... Maybe in the description of this episode, we can put like a time code Absolutely. or something of like, skip to this. this to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to see, hear spoilers. Um, it's not huge spoilers, but the stuff that happens in this book is worth talking about. And it is spoilery. Yes. So just, there's your warning. Boop, boop. Spoiler warning. Whoop, whoop. Ring, ring the bell. Let's all listen to the teacher. Um, yes. And yeah. So anyway, go on.
0: So. In this book, it's introduced that there are three jokers. Um, it's impl- there's the comedian, the clown, and the criminal. Um, it is not clarified if one is the real Joker, if all of them are somehow the Joker, so mm-hmm. maybe like different you mm-hmm. know multiverses, or if none of them are the real Joker. After I explain what happens, I'll exp- I'll express my opinion. Um, they each commit a crime. Nobody can tell which one's the real one. They're all trying to find these jokery men. And it's Barbara and Batman and Jason. And, of course, Jason's doing his own damn thing, trying to get things done. He actually, like, goes to interrogate a victim in a, uh, uh ambulance. And Barbara and... Bruce are both like what are you doing Jason he's a victim and he's like actually he's a domestic abuser and beat his son so back off <laughs> and I'm like Jason didn't get no respect mm-hmm. and no um, respect I tell you. Uh, so but like stuff goes down or whatever well finally they capture one of the jokers it's been found that the jokers as a collective have stolen a vat of the goop that turned the joker into the joker Um, so again, we have no idea who is the Joker and who isn't the Joker and what's happening. Um, so he steals this vat. They don't know where it is. They don't know what he's going to do with it. He could be making Jokers all over the world. We don't know what's happening. They finally catch one of the Jokers, tie him up. Batman goes to try and find where the rest of them are. Um, Barbara and Jason are there to keep this captured Joker in his place until the authorities arrive and they... Take him to Arkham again. So he can break out again. Or whatever. And he starts. The the tied up Joker starts talking smack. And. Unlike Batman. Jason doesn't put up with smack talk. And so he puts a bullet in his brain. (laughs) And it's interesting. Because Barbara's all. Jason how could you do that? What are you thinking? But. Barbara had the opportunity to stop Jason and I, yeah. totally missed and totally didn't yeah. because she totally wanted payback just as much as Jason did, but she's self-righteous and a Karen.
1: I love, yeah, I love that moment. Cause she hucks a <laughs> batarang at him yep. and it's yep. all done in very silent. Like there's not a lot of like overdone, like onomatopoeias. It's all very like simplistic. And then you see the body of the Joker and Barbara's laying into Jason, like, you know,
0: How could you?
1: Yeah, all the overly righteous stuff. And then Jason's like, okay, Barbara, when's the last time you missed? What I, so just to add a little bit of extra detail, this story has been a long time in the works. It actually spans back to a story arc that happened towards the end of New 52, um, where the Justice League were granted kind of excessive powers through means that I won't get into one of these things is that Batman had access to this omniscient piece of technology called the Mobius chair. Okay. While he was in this Mobius chair, he asked the chair, what's the Joker's identity? Who is the Joker? Because that's something we don't know. The Joker was this mysterious villain named the Red Hood, got pushed into a vat of chemicals, came out as this distorted clown, but we don't know who that person was before that. That, just kind of a quick little bit of trivia, was why so many people were so tilted over the Joker movie that was going to basically give the Joker an identity. Um, and I think there's a lot of like literary talk that could be handled around that about, like, maybe this is the guy that inspires the Joker and isn't the actual Joker, and like yep. all this stuff. Yep. Um. Maybe this guy is remembering some character in the past who was the Joker, and thus is you know, like, there's all totally. all kinds of, like, discussion you can have about that, but that's for a different time. This Mobius chair reveals to Batman that there are three Jokers. Mm. And that's it. And that's all we've had since 2015. Oh. <laughs> or so. Um, so, Jeff Johns has been sitting on this story for a while. Since then, we've had, you know, the Watchmen universe come in, which has a character called the Comedian. I think at some point, Jeff Johns had teased that it was the criminal, the clown, and the comedian. So then everybody was like, the comedian's one of the Jokers. And like all this (laughs) stuff. Um, We don't know if it's an interdimensional thing or anything like that. And that's kind of where this book gets cloudy, is we know 100% that there are three Jokers. It's not a joke. It's not a trick. There are three Jokers. These three Jokers all kind of spin out of major points in the Joker's career. Mm -hmm. So the Joker in this that features predominantly in this issue is the one that beat the crap out of Jason Todd. It's the clown. And it is there is a bit of meta commentary here about how the Joker's character changes over the years and how he's very which I find interesting that they limited it down to three uh-huh. um, because I mean, new 52 Joker was a completely effed up, really different Joker yeah. who like cut his own face off and then wore it as a mask and <laughs> stuff like that. And so, messed up. you know, you've got various <laughs> iterations of movie Jokers that could have been involved. Uh, but I get that. Like the three main three, probably most highlighted moments of the Joker's life or the Joker's career in comics were, the time he shot Barbara and yep. created Oracle, the, you like how I said that? Old me would have been like, time he shot Barbara and put her in a wheelchair. I'm proud of my growth. Um, I too. The time he beat Jason to death and killed Robin before Jason eventually came back. Or red boy. And his onset where he was very much not the jokey character that he became later on. Right. Because he, at the get-go, he was just a clown-esque themed criminal. He wasn't constantly laughing or constantly making jokes. Or, you know, he didn't really play into the Joker theme. He was just like a clown-themed criminal who was very deadly, very talented, and shot a lot of people. Yep. Um, And that's the three that we have. Um, I think it's cool because it does provide a lot of really, like, in-depth character-looking since the three characters we're following on the hero side are all directly related to this, yep, you know? And they all directly have some sort of baggage from that. You know, right. Jason Todd's whole deal is based around feeling abandoned by, you know, Batman at the time that he was beaten to death. He adopted the moniker of the, like, a former moniker of the, the person Joker, who literally yeah. killed him. Um, you know, there's a lot of baggage there. Barbara is only able to walk and move because of implants. She is still technically handicapped Yep. Um, and deals with that. I mean, in her current Joker war tie-in, the Joker has found, because they're Wayne Enterprises' implants, the Joker has found a thing that lets him shut those off. <gasps> so he's just like, booped, and now her legs don't work. Oh, snap. Um, it's riveting, and I really like the Batgirl tie-in. Um, And, you know... <laughs> The so the the one we see in this one, the Jason's, is the, the clown. clown, and the one that is Barbara's foil is the comedian, and then the one that is Batman's foil is the criminal. I and I think the significance of that is that it takes it back to the beginning, where all these deaths, all this trauma in his family, could have been stopped if he had just done. If he had just like shotgunned the Joker in the face the first time they met, you know what I mean? Over. The piles of bodies would have stopped, which again is another theme that's rolling over in the Joker War tie-in where Joker just sicked a bunch of reanimated bodies of his victims on Batman. And oh, they're all God. pissed because they're like, you let us die, Batman. It's really, really deep. <laughs> that's messed <up>. um, <clears throat> A lot of cool Joker shit happening right now is what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) There's one thing that stuck out to me. It could be nothing. It could be absolutely nothing. I could be reading too much into it. But I don't think I am because it felt very specific. Mm -hmm. At one point, the criminal Joker, who they treat as the head Joker, Mm -hmm. he, to make a decision, flips a coin. Yeah. A coin that we only ever see the heads of. I found that incredibly suspicious.
1: I that's the thing, right, is I like I said it, the book gets a little foggy when we start diving into the fact that we know there's three jokers. Yes. Because it's like you said, are there are they interdimensional jokers? Is it so like So are they all jokers actually from the Joker? Joker pulled, I mean, it's what the Batman who laughs is doing, right? He's right. pulling evil Batman in from exactly. other dimensions. Maybe the Joker being that Batman who laughs is Bruce Wayne Joker. Maybe that's just like a compulsion of the Joker is to go find Joker finds out that there's other realities because at this point, if you're high up enough in superhero or super person stuff, you gotta know that exists. Joker's worked with Lex Luthor various times. Guaranteed he knows yeah, there's multiple dimensions. So maybe he's figured out a way to go pull other Jokers right. in. Um, or what we see in this book is we see three people got dipped in the sauce Mm -hmm. and are now Jokerized, but dead because it killed them. Um,
0: So is one of the Jokers, the actual Joker. The original
1: Red Hood Joker. And then he just dipped two other schmoes and basically just like dipped people until it worked and then twisted them into being like, and that's why their personalities are significantly different because it's based off of whoever he dipped. And then we're going to find identities for like, This one used to be a stand-up comedian. This one was actually a circus clown. And that kind of dictates their Their sort of like, you know, and that explains why Joker went from being like a dude with like big elaborate circus sets that he hide at circus hideouts that he hid in and like henchmen that were like jester themed and everything was very like circusy. That was Harley. That was the clown. And it's because before he was dipped, he was actually a clown or a ringmaster mm-hmm. or something. Yep. And then, like, the comedian came around. And he was more of a lone wolf and more of a, like, really twisted, everything was based around a joke, kind of like the inverse to the Riddler, where, like, all of his crimes kind of led into a punchline, right? Right. And maybe that's because he was actually, like, it was it was Bob Saget. And he, yeah, it was like a stand-up. He got dipped, and now he's... Kinda still Bob Saget, but more violent. <laughs> Whatever it's been said now. Um,
0: oh, and you know, so much And this then the criminal
1: is yeah, right. I've I've pushed the limits here. <laughs> um, and then the criminal is literally just this red hood gangster guy who got dipped. Who got dipped, and so he's the criminal. Yeah, you know. And then what I think would be a cool if they're going that route, what I think would be cool if they like establish this idea that the Joker is like a James Bond of crime. Right. It's more of a name than it is like it's more of a moniker than it is an actual name, an actual person, you know, because there's that whole fan theory of like James Bond's just an agent name. And that's why, you know, in the Daniel Craig series, we see like M and she's old. But we also see M in the, you know, Pierce Brosnan series. And it's because Pierce Brosnan was an older James Bond, and then he died in the line of service and Daniel Craig's James Bond took over. And there was that whole fan theory, you know what I mean? Right. On why the actors switch. Um, maybe that's how the Joker works. Right. And one Joker, they just take a step down until they're needed. And then, you know. Yeah. Ha! And I mean, that's a really in my opinion, that's a really fun way. To take a character where a running fan commentary is like, depending on who writes it, it's it hits different. You know what I mean? Yep. And just be like, well, now that makes sense. Now that's canonical. <laughs> Suck it. You're welcome. You know? And it would be cool if at the end of this, it's like, we've discovered the identity of the three jokers. And then like two or three other jokers come out and are like, is it our turn? <laughs> <laughs> <You
0: Yeah. know? laughs> I I think the last option is that none of these are actually the Joker, that the Joker is working with other potential criminals or even Batman villains and straight up dip the hell out of them. And now he's like off in the Caribbean or something being, having a great life and has left three effectively like Joker kingpins yeah. to do his job for him. Yeah. And that one is the one admittedly that struck out to me because I can't help it, and I don't know if the it was coin.
1: In, yeah, the yeah.
0: coin. I don't know if it was intentional or if it was intentionally there to throw me off. But I'm like, "Yo, is Two Face a Joker?" <laughs> Which, yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Well, like, and I, don't, he I could don't, have done that. He I could don't, have picked three Batman villains and just been like, "Y'all three are Jokers now."
1: Yeah, I I noticed that too, and I sort of wrote it off as maybe it's a send back to the old Joker because I don't know enough about early Joker. That's true to know if he like. Has something to do with a coin. I do know that Batman's Batcave has a giant coin in it and has always had a giant coin in it. So I don't know if that came from like an early Joker story and maybe that was the reference that was being made. I just thought it was um, weird
0: because you never see the tails on it.
1: You don't. It's and true. And
0: that made, that's what, because like I could t- write off the coin, but the fact that we never see the tails, I'm like, that's going to be a jacked up tails. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how canonical this book is. Yeah. But they're touting it as like, this is going to be a defining moment for Joker. And so I can't imagine they'll end it by being like, this was an Elseworlds piece. Just kidding. You know? Um, Teehee. So I'm excited to see where that goes. But it's it's a really well done book. Very good read. Jeff Johns does a really good job writing out all the characters and making them feel different and making their interactions feel natural. Yep. Um, Agreed. It's, yeah, it's oof, it's really good. It's so it's, good. It's very, very good. So I'm I'm super excited about this one. And it's another three-issue mini. And I love that DC is doing these three-issue minis because for the longest time, it was like six or 12 or nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And six or 12 are ongoing. Deal with it. And sometimes, like, there's so many... Six issue minis I've read where there's like two or three issues that I'm like, okay, this is padded.
0: Yeah, you didn't need this. Sometimes you
1: you just need three decently thick prestige format issues to tell a perfectly paced one and done story. Yep. You know? And so I'm very, I'm very excited for this one. Me
0: too. I'm the poor trauma of my poor little red boy. Poor little red boy.
1: Um, so yeah. Moving on from that very long discussion. Yeah, sorry that about book. that. Uh I wanted to talk about because it's fun. Um Mars attacks Red Sonia number this 1. The book is so funny. So yes. <laughs> I am not a huge Mars Attacks fan. I I've watched the movie. I get it has a cult following. It's a fun movie. It's silly. Watching young Jack Black get vaporized is hilarious. Um but I was not expecting to like Red Sonia versus Martians as much as I did. <laughs> it's such a juxtaposition of of iconography. Yeah. But that makes it even more fun, and it's I like how they're writing Red Sonia's character to just not give an f.
0: Not a single. She's one. just
1: like oh, weird looking creature on a giant ant eating people. I'll kill it.
0: It has a head, so I can take it off. I'm
1: I'm absolutely loving all these Red Sonya crossovers. They're I great. want them to just take I want Dynamite to take every IP they can get their hands on and just Christ. toss it at Red Sonya. <laughs> I just wanna I wanna see Red Sonya versus everything. I want it's Dynamite. True. I want Dynamite to reach out to frickin' Dark Horse and get all their IPs and just hawk them at Red Sonya. How much
0: would it be amazing to have Red Sonya versus Predator versus Alien? Yeah. Like, come on, let's go. I'm ready.
1: Red Sonya versus Judge Dredd. Red Sonya versus Doctor Who. Let's make it happen. Red Sonya meets Tank Girl. Red (laughs) Sonya.
0: They'd be bestie friends. (laughs) Isn't that just basically chastity at this point, though? Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I, I just want Dynamite to be like, hey, I want them to like get on the the Internet and just be like, hey, if you have an IP, you'd like to fight Red Sonya, We'll only take 10 percent of the proceeds <laughs> and just get as many crossovers from as many companies as we can, They're because these really are fun. so fun. Red Sonya Age of Chaos was a delight. Red Sonya Mars Attacks. Really good. I I like the first issue. Same. It it seems like it's gonna be really really fun.
0: Like it and it does a good job where like it takes itself serious enough so that it feels like a cohesive plot, mm-hmm. but at the same time you're still like, look at these stupid looking Martians. Well, and
1: that's <laughs> that's the thing, right? Is like part of Mars Attacks was like, oh, they came to, you know, they came to Earth and their technology was so much better than ours, and so they defeated us. What I like about this is that they've done a subtle thing where. You know, the Hyborian age is like way ancient times, right? Right. So these are way ancient Martians. They're still able to do space travel, but it's like a big thing for them. Like this lead scientist has to go to the emperor and be like, look, we could make this work. We could explore. You know, it's like new and fresh to them. So it's like clunky and still in its early onset. And so their weaponry and their like tactics are still clunky and in, in their like early onset. So they're using; they still have ray guns that like va- vaporize people, but they're like slow and they're like crossbow shaped, and they've got like flaming swords and yeah. stuff. And so it's I like that subtlety of it, where it's not it's not the same thing we see in like the Mars Attacks movie or other Mars Attacks comics, where it's like the big robots and like the ray guns, just like and, like tanks and it's, yeah. shit. It's just like dudes on the ground with like considerably primitive quote-unquote martian weapons fighting dudes on the ground with considerably primitive human weapons but it's
0: also a cool commentary because it speaks to how like nowadays we're all lazy and office workers it's soft and <laughs> yeah, doughy, yeah yeah and like they show up now and they're like ha!" and you show up back then when you got like people who had to work the farm every day, and Red Sonia, who's a straight-up warrior, and, like, y- they st- even with modern technology, they probably would have had more of a fight with the Red Sonia. I got era. back...
1: When I got back into reading comics a few years back, after having not read them, like, through college and stuff, Um I swore to myself I would never be interested in a Vampirella or Red Sonia comic. And now... I'm reading the core Vampirella series and picking up at least the first issue of like every Vampirella that comes out because Christopher Priest is freaking killing it. And now I'm reading Sacred Six because he's killing it. And I read the first story arc of the Red Sonya relaunch where she was in like modern age and then kind of fell out of it. But now I'm reading like every Red Sonya crossover. And you're reading Vampirella, Red Sonia, Betty, and Veronica.
0: It's so cute, <laughs> and
1: so it's just like, what happened to me? <laughs> what What is Dynamite doing?
0: What it is is that the misconceptions that these are exclusively cheesecake books made for nothing but a cover has yeah. changed. Dynamite, That's what it they've
1: they've found the balance, right? Yep, because they. Originally, it was just cheesecake stuff. It was cheesecake stuff. That's what it is. It wasn't meant
0: to have the best story ever.
1: I don't care. Don't at me. Go back and read old Vampirella and old, not like Warren era Vampirella where it can be justified as like, it was like cult underground, like sexploitation books. Fine. I get that. There's a market for that. But like, go back and read like. Early millennium Red Sonia and vampirella and then come tell me it was great story content. <laughs> it wasn't. It was there so that there could be boobs on the covers. And then they decided <laughs> we need to restructure this, and they had the awesome Ginny Frieson Gail Simone run. Yep. Um, or I don't think Ginny Frieson was doing the interiors, but she was doing the exterior covers. There was a Gail Simone run where Red Sonia was like completely in like fully clothed armor there was a run on Vampirella where Vampirella's outfit changed and everyone lost their minds and the Gail Simone stuff was good I read it it was good like she did a good job writing as as is to be expected from Gail Simone I didn't read the Vampirella stuff admittedly but I can only imagine that it was more story driven more focused on character development um because that seemed to be where Dynamite was going with that let's back away from the sexuality and focus more on the story and everyone lost their minds Because they're like Give me my boobies Big surprise And So sales dipped So they were like Well we gotta get our boobies back And then they were like At some point Somebody in the dynamite office Which I know some of the guys In the dynamite office But I don't think it was them Because <laughs> Matt and Patrick I love you But it Doesn't seem like your speed Um <laughs> You're wrecked. Um, (laughs) Somebody in the Dynamite office was like, what if we have boobies and brains? And Dynamite CEO, in between like tweeting, retweeting game, like comics gate stuff, probably put his phone down and was like, oh my God, that's genius.
0: Was it? Was it maybe the like one woman in the office that said it? <laughs> Probably.
1: <laughs> Probably. Um and that's what they've done is they've been packaging really fun stories and really like well structured and like creatively structured narratives and comics in like Lucio Perillo porno art. And like and it's like
0: ninety different covers a book. Yeah.
1: And you know what? It works. They'll get the sales from people wanting to just stare at Derek Chu's big, big, hipped women, and they'll get money from all the people that want to get exclusive covers with like Kunkas, like thick with three C's Vampirellas (laughs) on it. And but then they'll also hook people. There will be people that pick it up. Like, I mean, I picked up Vampirella number one because Christopher Christopher Priest was on it. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting. Like, I heard his Deathstroke stuff was really good. This is like a legit dude. What the hell? Yeah. Picked it up. Loved it. Been reading it ever since. Yep. You know?
0: Yep. That's how you do it.
1: And you know what? I pick my covers based off of which one I'm most attracted to. <laughs> Not ashamed to admit it. I'm like, that's a hot cover. <laughs> Give me that.
0: And then you still read it.
1: And then I still read it.
0: That's true.
1: I have to get through a wall of about 15 to 30 minutes of drooling over the cover, but then I dive right in. I am only a man. <laughs> it's
0: okay. We forgive you. <laughs> Next in line uh, is the new beginning of a run from the Lock and Key series, which I will admit I have never actually read. Same. Yeah. Of the Lock and Key. Um This one takes place right around World War II, right at the beginning, middle of World War II. I don't know that it's entirely been decided yet. Um, I honestly don't know, like, anything about the Lock and Key series, really. Um, So I will admit that as I started in on this book, like, the first few pages, I was a little, like, what in the hell is happening? But what was nice about this book to me is that by the end of the book... I feel like I understand the family. I understand the characters. I understand the premise. I understand the perspective. I know like who I'm dealing with. I know when I'm dealing with. I understand what the plot's going to be about. Like I was actually really surprised that within the first to last page, I was able to feel incredibly comfortable jumping into the story with no prior knowledge.
1: It's a very nuanced balance and Joe Hill did a very good job with it. It took a minute, but yeah. it's, It's, you know, it nods enough to the people who have read Lock and Key and, you know, seen all the stuff involved with Lock and Key and know, like, when you reference, like, I used the music box. They know, like, probably what that does. I also have not read Lock and Key, like, the original stuff, so... I didn't have the same thing. I didn't have any knowledge coming in. And yeah, they do kind of like mention things and mention keys and mention this kind of stuff kind of just offhanded. Um, And I feel like a lot of that is like, hey, person who read Lock and Key, you get it. You know what this throwaway nod is, what the most dangerous keys are. This person referenced this key. You probably know what it does. There's probably a story somewhere about that specific key. Yep. But it's also not so laden with these nods and there's enough explanation going beyond that, like you said, as you dig through the story, you're like, oh, okay, I get it.
0: There's enough exposition yeah, yeah, yeah. that it doesn't feel heavy-handed for those who've read it, but it also doesn't feel super barren like that one, was it Robots versus Ninjas, that I was like, what in the hell is yeah, happening like, with this book? I miss... <laughs>
1: Did I miss a book? Yeah,
0: I, I totally skipped number zero. Apparently, um, but this—it's true. It—it it doesn't feel overdone, so it's—it's it's like a baby book for people who've been reading Lock and Key. Yeah, but I absolutely feel like this is a great option for those who haven't jumped in the series. Good, a good—a good
1: comparison because we talked about it recently is the Vampire's Masquerade book. Yes, right, where they'll just like throw out like you're a. Bruja or whatever the word was, right. and you're just like, I don't know what that means. I've never played the game, never read the comics. Someone please explain to me what this means. I have no context. And for someone who goes into it knowing Vampire the Masquerade, it's probably super fun to hear these things totally thrown obvious. around. But as somebody who doesn't know, there's not a lot of guidance into getting to that point. Exactly. This does it right for both parties like joe hill did a good job doing it right for both parties because it's been a while since we've had a lock and key thing there was like a lock and key one shot like a year or two ago and that was like it for like another two or three years wow and i think i think it's been quite a while since the lock and key thing came out and you're right they don't like weigh it down with like I want to use the head key (gasps) you jack you can't use the head key the head key does this if you recall this happens whenever you use you know what i mean like it's not like way down with all this like over exposition to get new people into it exactly but it's also not so just like flippant with how it references things that new people are like where are we like we get what the music box does Without having to be explicitly told what What the music music box box does. Because
0: of the context that's given. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, context and the art and the progress of the narrative is enough to make new people instantly familiar with kind of what's going on. Even if you don't know the little nuances of, like, what's an omega key and stuff like that, you still kind of get an idea. And like you said, by the end, you understand the family. You understand the characters. You understand the dynamics. Yep. And you understand how the keys work you know totally and it's it's cool it's very
0: cool but i really enjoyed it um it's joe hill and gabriel rodriguez and it's i i think if you're interested in this series this is where you jump in do it and i don't think you'll have any problem if you haven't read the previous ones and the it's it's really good the full
1: title because i think we forgot to mention it is lock and key in pale battalions go number one yeah so
0: going to war
1: So another relaunch that came out this week, like I was saying, there's a lot of like licensed things happening. Mega Man fully charged number one. It was really cool. I've never read a Mega Man book. I've never even really been that into Mega Man. Like I played the hell out of Mega Man X on SNES. (laughs) Love that game. Bangin' soundtrack too. If you ever want like a good like chiptune slash like that like 64 was that 64-bit 64-bit era yeah. where the music got like just above chip tune, and it was like you had like electric guitars and shit in in the in the soundtracks, <laughs> like good soundtrack Mega Man X. Um, beyond that I never really played a lot of the old Mega Man games until much later in my life Um, I was an adult I had bills by the time I was playing old Mega Man games
0: I never played Mega Man because I was never good enough at video games like if I'm over here dying repeatedly at the Lion King I'm not gonna go and try and play some Mega Man yeah yeah. and then
1: I never (laughs) I never ever even to this day got into like the really intricate Mega Man RPGs where you actually like mega man gets a character and everyone gets like story and character arcs and stuff like that um like the 3d rpgs and stuff and um so i don't know much about mega man so i don't know where this falls in the overall grand lore of mega man um and to be honest i don't even know if this is a reboot or a continuation because it does also have a lot of those feelings of like People reading this are going to understand where the story is, you know? Right. It does feel like a reboot, though. It okay. does feel like kind of a reimagining. Okay. From what I know about Mega Man art, Mega Man characters, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, anywho, that said, uh, it is incredible. It's very good. Uh, the art feels very like Pixar. Like oh, it's got okay. a very the art reminded me of like the very Disney Pixar, like uh the big hero six. Kind oh of arc. yeah, okay. It was a lot darker than that. It wasn't very it wasn't a very bright book, but the darkness kind of worked because it instilled this sort of like neon vibe oh, to everything. That's cool. Um Mega Man's character model is adorable.
0: <laughs> I want
1: to hug him. <laughs> so precious. Um I think towards the end we get a reveal of another very popular fan favorite character getting involved too Oh, um which is what brings me to believe that it's a it's a reboot because from what i know about that character i feel like that character's already been in the comics so i don't think this would be a continuation anyway um it's adorable it's fun it's got a lot of story to it um it's darker and grittier than i thought it was gonna be like okay. Mega Man literally gets his mind hacked into at one point and stuff like that. And there's like mentions of a big war and like societal unrest and like all this stuff. So it's got a lot more like grit to it than I was expecting. Okay. Um, But damn, it was good. It was really, really <laughs> cool. And if you don't pick up the absolutely adorable In Hyuk Lee cover, shame on you. <laughs> That said, all the covers are really cool. And there's a metallic one, like nice. a foil one. That's but cool. Little, little, oh my God, little adorable Mega Man on the In Hyuk Lee cover. He's so precious. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that cover, T, but I need to show you that You'll cover. you have to show me. Cause, I want to know. So In Hyuk Lee always does like really intense art. He's a great artist and does like really intense stuff. And then his Mega Man one is just this cute little Mega Man like falling through a neon sky, just Aww. smiling. Like, I'm happy to be Rockman. Man. Um, so cute. Little blue bomber, I wanna hug him. <laughs> I wanna hug him so hard. His cold metallic body, I wanna feel it on my skin. Okay, uh, easy now. I'm getting too intense. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I was just thinking about my Vampirella covers. <laughs> <coughs> tying it back oh yeah
0: all right so last on the docket <laughs> uh all right so the daredevil annual oh a little
1: daredevil I just want to hug him I'm sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so here's the thing I'm pretty sure sometimes annuals are canon and sometimes they're not
1: okay so I want to I want to start by saying I have seen many an article talking about this daredevil annual oh. and i've skipped over all of them because i knew you were going to talk about it but there's oh. apparently a lot of bananas happening oh my god over this annual oh my god so i'm very hyped to hear you tell me what went down okay in this.
0: okay so i'm gonna go ahead and say spoilers because i can't i have to um there's just deal with it but you need to know this if you care about dare oh my god okay. if
1: you're a care devil if you're
0: a care devil okay So, this annual was written by Starsky, who's been writing the primary Daredevil. I've talked about it on multiple occasions. It's phenomenal. I love this book. Chip is a badass. This is amazing. Okay, so this annual. Think of everything you know about Daredevil and his history, okay? Think about everything you know about his existence, how he came to be Daredevil, okay? You got it? Mm Mm-hmm. Forget it. Chip Starsky just completely rewrote the entire history of Daredevil. Oh, damn. Because let me give you a little context. Uh, A long time ago, way back in the day, um, there was a storyline in which Spider-Man found out that Daredevil was Matt Murdock. Okay. Um, And he left Matt a little note being like, Hey, Matt, I know who you are, but I'll keep it secret. (laughs) Problem is that Foggy... Found it first before Matt found the note. And then Foggy found out. I'm Jay. Murdoch is Daredevil. But Matt wasn't ready to come out yet. Come out of the Daredevil closet. So he was like, oh, uh, uh, this wasn't actually written for me. Uh, Spider-Man's wrong. He's thinking of my, uh, twin brother, uh, Mike Murdoch. Who doesn't actually exist. <laughs> and they were like, what? you have a brother? And so he pretended to be his own twin so that it would throw people off the scent. And it worked. He was very carefree. He was like the opposite opposite of Matt. Okay? Carefree, tra-la-la, fun times, whatever. So a few years ago, before the Chips Darsky run, during weird drama blama stuff, suddenly, during a fight with a villain uh who has psychic and manifestation powers. Mm-hmm. This villain made Mike Murdoch real.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: But like not real. Like he was still a fragment of Matt Murdoch's reality. He yeah. wasn't actually a person. Yeah. He was just like a manifestation of. False reality. Okay. Yeah. He he got introduced in this one book and then literally never spoken of ever again. It was like, that was dumb. Put it under the rug. Pretend it never happened. We're moving on. And then Chip Starkey happened. Oh, God. And Chip was like, whoa, Mike got made real and nobody ever addressed it. So I'm going to address it. <laughs> And we start this issue with Mike Murdoch pretending to be Daredevil and or actually pretending to be his brother, not even pretending to be Daredevil, pretending to be Matt Mm Murdoch. He gets, quote unquote, run over by a truck with loads and loads of money in it. And they're like, OMG, farmer. Mayor Murdoch, are you okay? And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> and then bad guys come and steal from the truck and he runs off with the bad guys. Yeah. We find out he's working for with the hood um, because of his been found by Wilson Fisk and hooked up with the hood. And he steals, the whole reason he's working with the hood is because he then steals from this lowly douchebag A reality stone.
1: Oh, God.
0: And then works with Black Cat, Ah. who delivers him like a Necronomicon.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Does a voodoo hoodoo spell and then rewrites history, making himself real.
1: Uh. So
0: now Matt Murdock, his story is... Him and his brother were born. Him and his brother were left with his dad as his mom went to the church. Him and his brother got into fights. Yeah. But his brother was always the troublemaker. He was always the good one. Matt was always the good boy. Like, it's the same story, but now Mike Murdoch is canon. Oh
1: my God.
0: And exists and is there. Oh my God. And is real. And so now, in canon, there is Matt and Mike Murdoch, twins.
1: Dope. And I'm assuming <sighs> Mike Murdoch's not blind? No! So he's just... Because
0: Matt, being the good one, went and saved somebody and got all acidied. But then Mike was all like, stupid Matt trying to save people and now you're all hurt and I have to babysit you and blah, 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 blah. It's and like he treats Matt like Matt got the law degree specifically so that he could keep Mike out of trouble. And like it's
1: what I love, it's
0: insane. It's absolutely flipping insane.
1: What I love so much about what's happening in Marvel right now is that these really creative minds on the writing side. So you've got your Al Ewings, you've got your Donnie Cates, your Chips, your uh, Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron's they're they're reading marvel comics Uh and you can tell that they freaking read some comics and in so many cases they're all finding books or storylines that just kind of peter out or are just weird obscure things and they're going hey what about this (laughs) i mean the big event coming this fall is the king in black? It's about Noel. Noel spawned from a random panel in a Jason Aaron <laughs> Thor book. Literally, it from Gore's background story where he kills this random thing and gets the necro sword. Donny Cates was like, "But what about that guy? <laughs> that would be like doing an entire Law and Order spinoff off of like." Some dude who's like, hey, I'm walking here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then just being like, what about that dude's story? I want to know that guy's I story. I want to know more about that. You know, it's, it's crazy, but that's what they're doing. You see, like, I mean, empires happening right now because of the Kotati, which were just like, whatever, they're here. And they've popped up from time to time because we had like Mantis and Swordmaster and we found about Koi and stuff like that over the years. But it was just like, whatever, is Kotati. Nobody cares. Here you go. You know, and Al Ewing's entire Immortal Hulk run is taking a look at all the times Hulk has died—heavy air quotes—and then come back, which is just expected in comics. But he's like, "But what about that?"
0: (laughs) But let's talk about the implications. What about
1: that? And has now literally rewritten the canon of every gamma-created creature Mm -hmm. ever, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's insane. It's it's. (laughs) It's masterful and it's such a good way of approaching a line of comics, a comic brand that refuses to reboot. How do you keep it fresh? You do shit like this. You find stuff like Mike Murdoch and you go, but what about that? Yep. And then you just go full ham on comics. You know, all of these guys have responded to these like little nuggets that they're like, I'm curious about that. By just going like all in on comics, like getting a reality stone, getting a dark hold and rewriting reality is such a comic book thing. Yep. And it's like as extreme of a comic book story, you could explain that to anybody who doesn't regularly read comics and they would be like, what? (laughs) And that's, but that's the choice. The choice was made. I want to do something with this character. I'm going to do it in the most bombastically comic book way and then boom, here you go. You and know?
0: It's a thing now. Like, and it's so fun to me because I love that like these you're right, so many of these characters that shouldn't even be what they are are what they are. Like, can we talk about the unbeatable squirrel girl and the fact that she's beaten all of the major villains in all of time because of a one-off where she beat Doom and Ryan North was like, But let's make a series about that. Yeah, we're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that though like it's it's just it's flabbergasting to me that now chip starsky looked at it and was like but 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 now matt has a brother Tee-hee. <laughs> I'm
1: like, what? it's cool i mean it keeps what? it keeps it fresh it's so it's nice. crazy
0: and that book straight up if you're not reading that run we're really heavily into it like i think we might be like 18 or 19 maybe even more but The Daredevil run is so
1: good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's blowing up critical acclaim. It's so good. A lot of people are calling it like one of the best runs since the Frank Miller run. It's one of the
0: best iterations of Wilson Fisk I've seen. It treats. It's interesting because it treats Wilson Fisk the way the Daredevil show treated Wilson Fisk, where it's like he's more than just a fat d bag businessman. Like he has depth and interest and issues and fear. Like, there's literally panels of Wilson Fisk fear. And it's just so much more interesting. And there's so many new characters that matter and are cool. And, like, Daredevil's about to go to jail. Like, he just turned himself in. Mm -hmm. And, like, the head prosecutor just found out who Daredevil is. Like Oh, jeez. Because he had to. He had to present. He was like, I'm not going to prosecute you or put you in jail if I don't know who you are. Like, I can't. And so he took his ha- his his mask off and it was ugly. Like, the scenario there was not good because Matt Murdock's been working for the prosecutorial team for how many years? Like, it was not great. So... This book was bananas. I straight up like I started reading it and I was like, where in the actual hell did Mike Murdoch come from? So I like Googled it. I straight up wikied this to find out what was going on. And then as I read it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much sense this makes. It's so bizarre, but I get it and it works and it's good. Like genuinely, it's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like people always want to sleep on Daredevil, but like Daredevil's had such good writing talent.
0: Such good. You had
1: Frank Miller on Daredevil during Frank Miller's heyday before he became a crazy person. You had <laughs> Kevin Smith on Daredevil for a while. Mm-hmm. You had Mark Wade on Daredevil, who mm-hmm. people often want to sleep on Mark Wade too, but like Mark Wade's been putting out some like good fallback on Real them type of comics stuff. for like years. And now Chip is writing this like. Defining character series so of, of Daredevil, and I mean, I'm sure I forgot people, but like, there has always been really solid talent on Daredevil, and
0: people don't give I feel like that people, character and yeah. those ki- that that whole part of the world enough credit. Like, I feel like
1: Bendis wrote some Daredevil,
0: yeah. Bendis Brubaker loved.
1: Baker wrote some Daredevil, yeah. So like, there's been.
0: Incredible, solid talent on incredible daredevil incredible since writers. like
1: the 90s and like it's just crazy to think that people like i said they just want to sleep on the character because it's not spider-man it's not an avenger and i feel like people he doesn't
0: d- have active powers people kind of overlook so people it just it i hate to say it but they do that with a lot of the defenders like the only defender who gets a lot of like cred nowadays is really jessica like mm. on a regular basis and i hate to say that but that's Almost explicitly because she's a Bendis. Yeah. Like the other defenders just sort of get, they do, they get sleeped on. You're right. And it's, it's sad because they're great characters and they get great talent and they deserve more cred.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I think that's everything. Ooh, yeah.
1: Hefty. Ooh, Sorry, hefty guys. boy. Hefty boy. Uh, Yeah, I mean there was a lot to discuss this week a lot of really impactful issues some good stuff too I highly recommend like I literally I know our whole shtick is recommending new things you should read but like An episode like this really brings me joy because everything I read Mattered with with the exception of bomb queens which a bomb queen, which I didn't talk about because it was garbage Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything I read that I talked about actually brought me joy like I really enjoyed everything like yeah. Mega Man was great Red Sony was great Three Jokers was great Lock and Key was really really great and yeah. it's just like it's cool to have an episode like that where I'm not just making these recommendations because I have to get a podcast episode out and it's like oh these ones are worth picking up if you like this like sometimes I have to justify it but these yeah. ones I'm just legitimately like these were good pick them up no, they this were was, good, this was books. A good week. this was uh, a
0: ridiculously cannon shaking week
1: <laughs> yeah no it was it was solid stuff in a really really good week yeah so.
0: so anyway if you want more cover B you can go to our website CoverBeepodcast.com and we've got you know all sorts of episodes I do believe we're gonna have an episode on Wednesday for you because we are going Oi. to brave the world we're gonna yep and go see new mutants That's we're gonna
1: wrap ourselves in cellophane and scuba gear yeah, and we're, we're gonna, probably gonna get gonna out do and that
0: tomorrow night I yeah, think yeah the get plan. out and
1: see new mutants
0: so um, we're gonna we're gonna do that and we're hopefully gonna have a real extra for you coming up shortly um, if you want fun news and comics and memes and silliness uh follow us on social media cover at coverby podcast on facebook and on twitter um you can find chris and i both on instagram and if you like video games come and watch us live stream we have a variety channel that we stream six nights a week uh and that's Tink Tink Games, twitch.tv slash Tink Tink Games. And uh, every other Sunday, we actually do a live stream RPG where we are straight table topping it up in the Star Wars universe. So that's super fun, too. So if you're mm-hmm. big Star Wars fans, you can come hang out with us there. So we are, as you can tell, we are ridiculously busy. So we should probably get back to life. Yep.
1: <laughs> but we will catch you back here for the next episode of, of Cover, Cover B.
0: Bye, everybody.